Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to bleep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Hi, everybody. Hi. How's your January? How's your January going? Well, I hope it. Oh, well, apparently Ryan's is apparently on is not going well. Um, I'm still on a bit of a leaked Freon high. <laughs> That's true. So you just don't know what I'm going to uh, do. Yes. Yeah, there you go. I'm full of chemicals um, that were never meant to be inside the human body. <laughs> be warned um yeah well yeah that's what that's that's life hey everybody you know you think that we live the high the high life the high roller life the way you think that old uh joel and ryan from the movie show with joel and ryan are living living large living that uh that podcast baller life but um you know we um we put our pants on two legs at a time just like everybody and uh we uh our refrigerators break too and when you, um, when you least expect happens. it or sometimes after they've been making weird noises and acting strange for nine to 14 months or so there you go and then finally it just and happens you just sit and here like, like this going hmm, i'm gonna pretend like that's not happening yeah and then, <laughs> going, mm, and then one day you mm, come home yep. at like midnight and you're just sitting here and you're like ah the it's the weekend and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you hear what sounds like several people throwing bricks into a giant like industrial <laughs> clothes dryer <laughs> and then the whole room mm. smells like what i mean it smells yeah, like i mean Fre- it, freon has a very distinct smell yeah I mean, it's, it's not it's not. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, it's not too pungent. It, it, man, some people say Freon doesn't even smell like anything, but that's not true. It has a smell, and mm-hmm. it just, it just. That's what it was like. It's, it's not like that anymore right now. So. Well, that's good. Um, well, anyway, so welcome to the movie show, with Joel and Ryan. I am Joel, and I'm Ryan, <laughs> and uh, we. Um, um, I think we should just, well, we already kind of did our little like banter that we like to do to sort of get ourselves going. So I say we just jump right into today's episode. Um, and if you if you read the head, you know, if you read the, the caption on it, you know that what we're what we're doing today. This is this is uh, the second big episode of the season, how we like to start out our years. And, and it's uh, the first official episode of our year in reviews, which is all you're correct. really going to get for the next few weeks correct we hope you like them we hope you like the way we do them if you didn't mm -hmm. you should have wrote in which you did not do so we don't know any better we assume these are enjoyable for everyone they get pretty decent ratings we don't like to talk about the ratings Mm -hmm. too much on here but well they get decent listener uh listener engagement ratings um you know listener engagement metrics 
yeah, yeah, metrics. But we assume, and I and I think rightfully so that um, that every episode is a five star episode. Well, you wouldn't know it that, by looking at all the places that the episodes are posted. <laughs> I'm so going to go If ahead. you're feeling the five-star love, why don't you start doling the five-star out to mm-hmm. the movie show with Joel don't, and Ryan. And if you're not, your hey, in the sand, continue, continue as previously. Uh, stay, mm-hmm. stay the course. Mm-hmm. That's true. There you go. Um, all right. So let's get to it. This is... Uh, this, okay. Uh, let me make sure I don't screw this up. Okay. This is... The Year in Review 2022 and a few movies from 2021. There we go. We're actually kicking off off. like we always do with these with mostly movies from 2021. So, but yeah, but after that, I got, well, you know, we're, you know, we're still it. I I think that there's part of it also is has to do with uh, the fact that, uh, you know, we're, there's still movies that, were supposed to come out during COVID times and then didn't oh, yeah, come yeah, yeah. out or it's were released. Very, again. very nebulous. But so, my movie my movie watching season, as you know, is basically from September to September. And that's typically what we review, but the that's all mm-hmm. out the window now because I've seen most of the you know, the Oscar buzz movies from this year already because they the availability has become so much easier than than right than it ever used to be in our lifetime. So, so, hey, who knows? Well, there we go. All right. Well, let's jump into it with our first movie. Our first category uh, is, you know, last week uh, you heard our Altskers episode uh, where we talked about the movies that should have been uh, or that the movies that were up for Academy, the Best Picture Academy Award and what should have won, um, even though we kind of came to the agreement at the end that, yeah, I probably got it right. Probably. Probably, but let's talk about a few movies that sure were shooting for some Oscar love. Some of them got some; they got some nominations, some yep. uh, act, uh, some some writing, and some performance nominations and things like that. So this one we're calling "Baiting the 2022 Oscars," uh, and this one is first up is "The Tragedy of Macbeth." Oh yeah, first uh, Joel Cohen film without Ethan by his side, right? A Cohen brother film, um, black and white, Academy ratio, Shakespeare, mm-hmm. all the things that the kids out there just love and adore. It's all it's been funneled into this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Denzel Washington. I got to take partake in his Shakespeare in the Park, Richard the Third, back in the '90s. Uh, that was a sp- Really special theater experience for me. One of the tip-top ones, maybe the top ever one. That was a fantastic sure. production, and he's a fantastic actor. So I was really, really excited for this. And, and but I think in the end, even though I liked it, I think I, I don't. It's, it's kind of weird. It's not that great. I mean, it's just very stagey. It's it's moody and mm-hmm. cool, like you would hope. The actors, the voices, you know, reading the poetry of Macbeth. And Macbeth is, just for you guys who really hate Shakespeare, Macbeth's not a bad one if you want to bite one off because it's not. there's not a lot of poetry to it. It really is people talking yeah. to each other. It's just not a very flowery show um, from a language standpoint. And I, like something like Hamlet would be or whatever. Um, 
And it's got uh, murder and revenge and all this great, you know, all that other stuff that we go to the movies right. for. I just couldn't, you know, I don't, I'm, there's no need to go too in-depth of it. Francis McDormand and Denzel Washington are terrific, but, you know, there was a Macbeth just a few years ago with Marion Cotillard and Michael Fassbender, and I mean, like, how can you beat that, right? And right. that Macbeth was weird because it was, that Macbeth was all shot on location, so it didn't have the sort of formal stodginess that this one has. But that mm -hmm. one was weird, too, because it was all... It, not all, but it was largely these monologues were done in medium and close shots. And you've sort of lost the scope of the historical epic that Macbeth is. And it's stagey. And I think if you're going to do something stagey, pull the camera back, show off the castle, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Play with the composition. Um, and maybe that's just my, as a theater goer, maybe that's just my prejudice. Like, I just want it to be in the 15th row and I'm watching that stuff because it's so big and broad and so stylized almost out of necessity that to do it right, you know, that I always mm -hmm. sort of resent, uh, you know, and this one, I don't know the point of, I, I like black and white. I always think that's gorgeous and it really is a beautiful film. Um, mm -hmm. but I don't know why Academy ratio is so weird. Why, why? So that you would have difficult fitting everybody in, or so that every shot would include everybody's belts. I mean, why? I, I just don't. I, I've seen a right. lot of movies done that way, and when I watch some of them, I go, "Oh, I get it." This one, I was like, eh, "Why?" This, this, <laughs> it could. I, yeah, I mean, why so I, tall? I, what What are you possibly getting out of it by it being right. that way? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and and some of the compositions of the 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 light and uh, you know, playing with the set, playing with the light, uh, playing with shadows and stuff like that, it, you know, it could have been uh, even uh, could have even been more stunning. I mean, it was pretty, you know, it was really well composed, yeah, yeah. almost too. Almost, I mean, that's and it almost it's it was in some ways too well composed, it, it which is why give. Give Fassbender and Cotillard's version, which I don't even really like. I like this one better. But to give that some credit, it feels like it's coming from an organic place. This mm -hmm. really it, doesn't feel spontaneous at all. Feel, this yeah, does not have an correct. ounce of spontaneity to it. And um, you know what? You say that, and I think and that might have... That might be because I've been trying to pinpoint. I watched it. I was like, yeah, it's, it's Macbeth. That. You know, I, and I, I love the play. I love sure. I mean, it's yeah, I, I, I think because it is so accessible, um, it, it, but it's just and, and the story wise is so accessible too. you know, as dark as it is, it's probably second only blah, blah, blah. to like Taming of the Shrew or something in terms of its yeah. crowd pleasing nature. You know, it's a yeah. And, you know, and it's, you know, Lady Lady Macbeth is one of the, you know, just one of the singular great characters in all of theater. And, you know, you get Francis McDormand, Francis McDormand playing and it's great. So but I think maybe maybe that is the word. As soon as you said it lacked spontaneity, I'm like that. That might be all Shakespeare does no. to a degree, and yet, any create in any creative endeavor, whether real or manufactured, you like to feel that a little bit because it sort of makes the thing feel alive in a mm -hmm. way that this just doesn't feel that way. It's it's not it's a really accomplished film. It's, if you like Shakespeare, it's recommended. If you're a fan of uh, McDormand or or Denzel, there it's really their show. Mm -hmm. 
there's lots of other great supporting roles. The person who plays all of the witches, for example, um, there, there's some really neat things that are done, but, but it, and it doesn't take the easy way out everywhere. You know, even when the old, the night watchman guy, the doorman's got the knock, knock, knock thing, you know, that guy's mm -hmm. been played by all sorts of comedic people throughout the ages. Even that though, and this is kind of, it's played straight and, it's like don't let's not go overboard. A murder has just occurred, so mm -hmm. it this doesn't go through the tonal swings. That said, the Macduff family melodrama is about as good in this version of the film as any I've ever seen, and it's because of that reason. It's because you know there's this scene where we cut to this doomed family, and it's a comedy scene. It's about being a mom and being an obnoxious kid, and and it's you're so relieved to have a scene like that. But yeah. that everyone always swings. They swing really just too far into like sitcom comedy stylings. This film doesn't do that. And it makes the loss of those characters, which happens right away, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's... I mean, come on. <laughs> but it makes it... This, yeah. this earns the actual feelings that come from that. So there's a lot of really, really great things. And I can't think of another version that does even Roman Polanski's very celebrated version from the seventies who his family had just been murdered in a home invasion. And it's it, it still, he just still plays up the comedy just mm. way too hot. And yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our next film. Uh, come on, come on. Uh, come on, that's come on. The, uh, uh, not Mills. Academy okay. ratio. I hope you. I hope you guys mm -hmm. really like talking about aspect ratios. Like I everyone. Do. I mean, I, I <laughs> all that. That is that is something that uh, when people stop me in the street and they say, "Aren't you Joel from Movie Show with Joel and Ryan?" And they're like, "Can we get? Can we get more aspect ratio talk?" And I'm like, "Hey, you know, uh, you've come to the right it, place, sir." I said, "I, I think place. that's possible, but you got to remember, we only talk about it organically. I mean, if it comes up, we will bring it up. But uh, I'm this obsessed. Is your, I'm obsessed with your home, it and and the movie, and you're just gonna have to deal with it. Uh, for but, aspect ratio, you know, not to be mm -hmm. not to be too inside baseball. A little explanation without mansplaining it to you. Academy ratio is the shape of your old TV." And it's really the shape of all old movies. TVs, when they first appeared, the screen size was chosen because that's the shape of the cameras that were shooting for the cinema at the time. So mm -hmm. Casablanca, Gone with the Wind even, even an epic thing like Gone with the Wind, it's shot basically, not quite, but basically square. Um, right. And that's what Academy Ratio is. So when I say that, it's 1.33 by 1. And it's the shape of an old TV or an old TV show. Not even that old, you know. It's right. the shape of ER or whatever that was in. You know, it's, you don't <laughs> right. have to go back that far. The uh, shape of the original Friends episodes. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, until yeah. they decided Rachel's hair would look better if you stretched her face when you broadcast it on TV. And well, now, like on the on on uh, when you watched, I believe, uh, what is it on HBO or whatever it is that has, has all the episodes. Well, no, they they've uh, and some of the episodes they 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 shot them in uh, oh. you know in cinema ratio, and now they just have it so you get like 
a scene and it's like the five friends talking, but then it'll do one, one of the takes, it'll be the stand in for Ross literally just standing there. Cause the swimmer was because swimmer was they've Yeah. <laughs> because they, they have that material, like, but when you zoom mm-hmm. out, you, you all kinds of problems when they remastered and then we'll get back to the movies. We promise when they yeah. remastered um, <laughs> Star Trek, the next generation, they really right. wanted to see because they had it. They shot it on, on film. Uh, uh, the way they shot it, they didn't shoot it on. No, they did. They shot it on film. That's why the not the effects, which they had to completely redo from scratch, mm-hmm. but the scenes they shot on film, like they would an old TV show. And because of that, they've got. We're grateful for that now because they've got much better resolution to play with. But when they zoomed out, yeah, you see the corners of sets and you see all this stuff that you're not supposed to see. Not constantly, but with enough regularity that they just couldn't do that. So they. God bless them. They kept it in Academy ratio the way it was intended, and and it looks fantastic. It looks fantastic. The remaster to to uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. So, and that has been this week's aspect ratio corner. Which brings us. You're probably thinking, "Come on, come on, Ryan and Joel." Ah, uh, there you go. Why are you um, keep talking about aspect ratios? Well, come on, come on. And actually, it's weird. It's sort of a couple movies in a row here. We're shot in 166 by 1. That's a weird aspect ratio that we don't even use in America. And now that everything's streaming or whatever, you can. But that's a weird one. That is almost, almost like the shape of your TV, but not quite. You need a couple little skinny bars on the sides mm-hmm. to make that work. That is European spherical ratio, ladies and gentlemen. And Come On, Come On was made that way. Also black and white, because why not, baby? Let's get pretentious. Right. Let's get pretentious up in here. Let's bring Joaquin Phoenix out. He'll take things super serial. Um, Totally. Absolutely. So why don't you read the synopsis for this one? We didn't do that yeah, for best, but I think... Uh, well, I sort of feel like it was okay that we didn't. Uh, when a sister asks him to look after her son, a radio journalist embarks on a cross-country trip with his energetic nephew to show him life away from Los Angeles. Yeah, and before we move on without her, what's the name of the actor who plays the sister? She's fantastic and always has been, but she doesn't usually uh, get cool roles like this. No, I haven't seen this one, so I'm assuming it's Gabby Hoffman. It is, yeah, Gabby Hoffman. Yeah. Okay, so, so okay, Gabby Hoffman's famous for being a child actor, and even though she's yeah, stuck yeah. around, she does movies like Come On, Come On, kind of as a rule. So we don't see her, we don't see her as a special guest star in an episode ripped from the headlines of Law and Order SVU. Like she just ripped doesn't do stuff headlines. like that. Yeah. yeah, but she's great in this. The kid is great. Joaquin is great. It's it's uh it's a really earnest I don't want to say it's like coming of age because the kid's a little too small for that, but it's a really earnest like story of this guy who's suddenly the guardian of his nephew who he knows but doesn't know very well. And right. uh and Gabby's fantastic. Joaquin's really, really great at and it's fun because we've seen a lot of um over-the-top theatrical stuff from him, and it's really fun to watch. And that's I think that's his wheelhouse, really. He's Daniel Day-Lewis. It's sort of... Mm-hmm. He's in a completely different compartment, but, I mean, it's that level on the dial <laughs> of actor that we're talking about. And, right. Um, 
and it's great to see him embodying a, a, a weird person, and yet to see that his eccentricities and stuff just add to the thing instead of our distraction yeah. from it. So that's a mm-hmm. lovely, it's a lovely movie. Again, why black and white? I don't really know. Just to make sure people know it's an art film. Um, why one six six? Why choose that? That's weird. But a lot of people did last year. I think filmmakers are just weird and they're just playing around and and on this level, the studios like. Or the it's more like the thirteen studios. It's one of those movies where they yeah. watched. Wow, these logos are going on a while. I'm gonna order. Pizza <laughs> oh yeah, a twenty four. Yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is this? Um, uh, yeah, I was. I was. I, I was like, well, if it's in a weird ratio in black and white, it's probably an a twenty four film. Yeah, oh, it's an a twenty four film. And it film. is distributed yeah. by them. Yeah, and then they, um, you know, they that's that's right in their wheelhouse they love i mean they're no they're 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 producers on it they didn't they're not just distributors nice yeah so um all right well i mean that it sounds i mean boy actually that 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 does sound something like a movie that i need to check out because that does sound like right in uh, a movie that i i would dig um where it's uh, it's 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 i don't know that it's not a feel-good movie but it's it's a safe movie it's a yeah a human story and right and that's that's super keen to me i mean i really appreciate those when they come along at the same time there's not a ton at stake in this thing so it's you know it's it's that kind of film too you've got to be in the mood for something small and and mm-hmm. with some subtlety to it also uh, in a small but pivotal role so that you understand the crisis that's going on uh scoot mccarney shows up and 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 really in not a lot of screen time knocks a really authentic version of somebody going through some real mental strains and it's mm. he's so welcome because he he always does that stuff with so much sensitivity and stuff and it's that could have been corny and it isn't it's it, it's it's heart it's heartbreaking and that's, i can't help but i can't help but think scoots the dad Scoots the dead. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. and they're not even go. together anymore. But they're they all take sure, care yeah, of each other. It's it's those types right. of complicated relationships that make the thing go awesome. And great location um, shooting in California. And then when they go to New York, I don't know if they really went to New York. I think they did. You really feel like you're in New York. And the two different things, even in black and white, like mm-hmm. are neat. It, 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 it's He's a New York guy, and she's an L.A. girl, and it's too bad they're brother and sister. We'd have to get right. those crazy kids together. But it, it's um, and the kid's great. Well, yeah, let's, you know, uh, just to prove that uh, 166, uh, one ratio yeah. is not just for black and white. Our next movie, Blue Bayou. Um, is uh, Korean. Uh, it's, it's, is this a yeah Korean American name? Uh, a Korean as a Korean. Oh boy, words. Hey, you know everybody. When you decide to start a podcast, make sure that you have difficulty saying basic words. It always makes it more or, fun to listen to. He's over yep. here when you're watching. He's over here when we're doing the show. It's weird. Yeah. Um, it is weird. He does the hard um, part, guys. This just proves it. Yep. Uh, as a, <laughs> a Korean American man raised in the Louisiana Bayou, uh, works hard to make a life for his 
as a Korean, this now see that maybe this is a sentence. Let's blame these words here. Yeah. As a Korean man raised in the Louisiana Bayou, works hard to make a life for his family. He must confront the ghosts of his past as he discovers that he could be deported from the only country he has ever called home. I had oh, to rewrite that like a, when I put it into yeah. my computer in my collection because this is usually where I copy the synopsis from. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that ain't right. That's month. That's a couple months ago now. But I remember going, what? <laughs> I read it like four yep. times. That is, uh, that is some uh, complex sentence structure. Correct. That's, it's yeah. But, but uh, in anyway, its defense, um, you followed the idea. Um, this guy's written he's by had a, yeah. He's had a trouble. He's from an abusive foster home, and he's had lots of trouble in life and he's fallen into a bad crowd and he's basically what's happened to him is he's grown up enough that he knows there's no future in that and he's in a good relationship and he's become a surrogate father to his girlfriend's daughter a very plucky daughter who's very very fun in this film um the actor director writer this is a passion project of one person what's Mm -hmm. his name Justin Chong. Yeah, he's fantastic. I don't. I may have seen him and stuff, but I this was to me this was his arrival in in my cinema going life. Um, and then the the his uh, the woman that's wrapped up in all this with him is uh, yep. who, Alicia Vikander. Right, right. Can't can't, can't do better than that. That's cool. yep. I mean, there's a yep. lot of people in Alicia's league, but Alicia's one of those where it's like, oh, you got her. Good yeah. Job. Well, she is, you know, she's an Academy Award winner, so that's, she's, that ain't for nothing. So She's really, really good and really, really good in this secondary, very secondary role. It really is this guy's story. Um, And there's a lot of, it's cool. It's a slice of life story and it takes a lot of little detours and stuff. There's a woman dying of cancer that comes into his um, tattoo parlor can't remember what nationality she is she's also uh of asian heritage but she's not korean there but there's still sort of bond over that because i think in louisiana it's probably not a ton of that of that type of diversity um and she introduces him to her family and and so there's that there's all this stuff going on in it but the big thing that's happening is he he needs money anyway just to make this thing work between his this little nuclear family that he's been adopted into and and what happens is 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 the 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 folks at ice have decided that his adoption wasn't legitimate so that he's still korean and they want to deport him and he gets legal advice over it, and the legal advice is just go back to Korea. Just go back to Korea, and then uh, then we can start working things, and then you can be brought here. If you contest this, they'll be mad at you, mm-hmm. and they'll send you back to Korea by force, and you'll never be able to come back. And that's right. that's what we see most of the time, and that's what we don't want to happen. Even he didn't he didn't speak Korean. Like he just not, can't go back to Korea. That idea right. is crazy. Um. He's American. He's an American Southerner. You know, he's a Bayou kid. It's it's just like it's so. It's, I, I it's love so bonkers, I mean, I... and and yet this is something they rattle some statistics off. This really isn't a message movie. 
but they hit you with mm -hmm. the message at the end. This happens to many, 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 many people. And it's yep. all just because of faulty adoptions, faulty adoption paperwork. It's all just because of bureaucratic nonsense. People with kids get deported. People who have ties here in very significant ways get sent away. And right. that's... I can't think of anything more un-American than that. Like, I, you, you, I, the slideshow that we get, it just enrages you that this sort of thing is happening. And this yeah. guy goes through it, and and he goes through it all. And it's and this film wrecked me. It just wrecked me. It just wrecked me. This film just uh -huh. made me turn into just a little puddle of Ryan that you wouldn't even, you know, step over carefully if you, you saw me on the street. You would mop, I, you would I, mop it up with, like you would the Freon, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, and and I just, I don't know what to say. I, I, I'm adopted. I know a lot of adopted people. That's my, sort of, especially growing up, that was my little pet cause. And I volunteered for a lot of multicultural things in town here in the Twin Cities. And just the thought that, oh, you're, you know, of course I'm not from Korea. I was born here and my, my birth parents were American, but so that's, I'm not in danger of this, mm -hmm. but that's, it doesn't matter. And it's weird because, and there, the movie tries, really tries to play. One of their pals is a guy who works for ice. <laughs> so they even try and show these guys aren't evil or whatever. He's, right. he's gobsmacked by what's going on. Um, the fa the father of this little girl is uh, a beat cop who is uh, who their relationship died for very real reasons, and he basically abandoned his kid, and now he wants back in, but he's such a, he's just so stupid that he doesn't know how to do that in a in the right way, and so there's all this tension between all these characters, and it just again it just feels totally authentic. This story came from this guy's heart. And you just you feel that in every frame, and it is a little preachy, and it is a little everything but the kitchen sink in the thing. Right. But when it comes time to did this earn its reason for being, and did this take me on a personal journey that I wouldn't have gone on uh, on my own? I mean, it just gets super high marks, flying colors ratings for for achieving that. I highly recommend Boo Bayou. Well, very cool. Um, all right. Next up uh, is um, is Spencer Kristen Stewart playing Lady Diana. Um, and uh, yeah, this now one, here's a um, film that justifies its one six six aspect ratio. Yeah, so I was gonna say we're because it's we very... leave in one six six, ladies and gentlemen. We will stay here for a while. Um, actually, I think our next film is. Yeah, our next film gets us out of 166. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Spencer is, yeah, Spencer plays like um, uh, almost like a BBC drama that you would see. Um, yeah, but I don't think that I, I, that's true. That is how it looks and appears. But I don't think sure. it's really fair to it because it's it, it it's an abstract. A lot of it, it takes place in her mind. Like, that's not the kind of thing you would see on on uh just like a just like a masterpiece theater type of project this this film is really really cinematic in a way that those aren't and that's the great thing about it and it's also probably the problem about it if you really show up thinking you're going to get some sort of um 
Princess Diana biopic, you know, with some mm-hmm. sort of sweep and scope, what you really get is the story of a odd princess trapped in the tower who is just making up the, her reality as she goes along to cope. It's a very, very cerebral and psychological film. Yes. If to compare it to something, it, it was made by the exact same filmmaker, so it compares very, very well to it. Uh, Jackie about Jackie Onassis Kennedy with mm-hmm. with uh, Natalie Re- Portman. Natalie Portman. Yeah, that it, it's it's very much like that film transposed to the early days in the the Princess Diana, Prince Charles era and in that way i really really liked it because it's just not what you expect mm-hmm. it's very very brave very interesting um kristen stewart's fantastic as diana she's, she's so she's so good <laughs> she's, she's so good in this film. in a really um, really challenging role it's just not just i no offense to like the crown or something where we've got right. really good actors doing really good diana's basically everywhere right now yeah yeah, um, yeah. but this this part in this style of story is just a mm-hmm. totally different thing. It 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 just demands a totally different thing from her, and she just is amazing in it and compelling in it. But mm-hmm. it will be outputting to folks. People like things that are literal. People like if you're gonna do scandal, they don't like it to feel messy. They like it to feel exciting. This just feels well, messy. Like, like the crown. Yeah, like the crown. Right, the crown um, yeah. the crown leads into the plot of the thing. And this it this, this doesn't even and, and they're all about mm-hmm. character, no question. Every every true story biopic is about character. But this is about what's going on in here mm-hmm. and the struggle that's going on in here. And it, it it doesn't manifest that constantly, so it's not a absurdist weird piece, but it it manifests it enough that it, it's an odd thing. And mm-hmm. I found the, where the film chose to end. I found that, I found that to be like, it sticks to landing in a very, very cool way to me about, yes. Cause you see what the issues are with her. And, and I, I also feel though, like it doesn't, it's a, it's an examination of ideas. You just have to yeah. accept that about it. I don't feel like, She's so isolated and so alienated from the other people in the story, and I really doubt mm-hmm. that it could have been completely that way. I really think that's you're just seeing a part, a, 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 a an artist imagining a slice of somebody's mind and emotional state and trying right. to communicate that on film. It's very right. much like Jackie. It's very much like Neruda. They're odd films, and they, those can only be so great to me because they're just they're they challenge you and that that takes the some of the crowd pleasing nature out of it but i still thought spencer was pretty great the only thing that i had trouble getting on board with is is the few times where diana is out in public uh you know amongst the press and everything it 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 did not the uh spencer did not because outwardly uh, you know, Diana, that was one of the magic things that she did was when in front of the cameras, she always, you know, seemed to be able to turn it on and mm-hmm. hide, hide everything that was going on. And then this but movie, hide in a performance of, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. In a performance of, of everything I is fine. And Whereas everything is fine. This film and in keeps, Spencer keeps and in Spencer, yeah. which, 
Yeah, which I mean, which it fits into what you're saying, where we are we are seeing what is emotionally happening under the surface, right. um, and probably in the world of that movie, like the press and stuff, are seeing the smiley happy. So it's like it, it it's another layer that the director is asking us to put on, and that's and that's fine. No, um, it's, it's it, great, but, but it, it is. Just, I, I feel like we've prepped you it, now for what it is. Yeah, this sounds great. Lends, to you. Check it out. But I think people. Well, I mean, Kristen Kristen Stewart's worth uh, worth checking out in this because just some of her everybody's outstanding in it. But she mm -hmm. her the demands on her. She's in every single scene. She's mm -hmm. in it, the movie by herself for probably half the movie. It's really just her and. Right. And it's it's and I've always loved um, Kristen Stewart. I've granted I haven't seen a lot of Twilight sequels, so who knows? But I, I, I I've always really liked Twilight, her, and yeah. she's she's amazing in this film. I totally agree. Um, and corgis, there are corgis in it. So the corgis uh, do make uh, multiple appearances. Yes, and, and as do I, the feuding princes. So it's very tropical. yes, they do. Yep. And um, uh, right. as do Mike and the Mechanics. Spoiler alert for Spencer. That's true. Thank God, that's true. Um, anyway, all right. Next up is uh, our first foray into sort of uh, American cinematic aspect ratio. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. This has become my Gordon 11. Hey. I just am loving talking you never about know. aspect ratio. Well, and we didn't talk about him as a special guest, but the this is, the, I think, one of the... It's only a recent development in the history, mm -hmm. in the long storied history of the movie show. Right. But, uh, all right. Next up. Gordon Levin's appearances are something that I look really, really forward to. And this, if you're getting bored with the aspect ratio talk, just know that Gordon Levin, this is the time. This is his time of year. It's the season mm -hmm. of Gordon Levin. He's coming. It, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, um, all right. It's something next, to hang in there so for. It's the movie, the movie that we are uh, very belabored to get to uh, here is uh, the Eyes of Tammy Faye. Ah. Uh, Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield, directed by uh, one of my favorite uh, comedians and comedic actors, Michael Showalter. Um, and uh, yeah, and Academy Award Eyes winner for best makeup, mm -hmm. makeup and hair, and. Uh, and it won for and and Jessica Chastain won for uh, of her best performance. Um, Did she? Uh, yeah. Who'd she beat? Yeah. You don't have that well, up in front of you. I no, I can look it up right here. How did uh, I she, miss that? That I that I I guess because I didn't watch last everyone, year's Oscars. Yeah, we didn't watch it, but everyone kind of thought it was going to be uh, Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Hmm. Um, but it was not. It was there. We are. Okay. Jessica Wars. Chastain is. Bonkers good in this movie, so it's, so it's a well earned yeah. Oscar. It was sure. uh, it was it was uh, Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos, mm -hmm. uh, Penelope Cruz and, and Parallel Mothers, uh, Kristen Stewart and Spencer, and Olivia Coleman for the Lost Daughter. I I would have if you'd have just read that list to me before the show start, I would have bet my new refrigerator that it was Olivia Coleman that won. <laughs> sure, that's uh, crazy sure. to me. That's just wow. All right, yeah, that's great. Though. It was one of the big. That's a one great of the, yeah, category. I, I haven't seen the Penelope Cruz movie. Sorry, Penelope, but that's a great list of people playing mm -hmm. people that we all know in ways that are challenging, and that's that's right. really really cool. Um, so good. All right. Yeah. So it is really it, it is in the. I put it in the right category. It's Oscar worthy. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. An, an intimate look at the extraordinary rise, fall, and redemption of televangelist Tammy Faye Baker, who, yeah, well, arguably was Minnesota's you know, own. Minnesota's own. Woohoo. Uh, but yeah, she was, you know, she ultimately she surpassed the popularity of her preacher husband, Jim Baker. Um, it was Tammy Faye that really, you know, drove the popularity of their ministry. Um, and uh, yeah, well, it, what, she it, put on puppet shows. She sang songs. She did all the stuff that is the crowd pleasing stuff of the show. Right. And, mm -hmm. and was just a very creative person. Uh, Jessica inhabits her in a wonderful, believable way. Um, she's just been so good and damn everything of late she's, she's like she and that's the best yeah and i'm thrilled that she won an oscar for this because because man you know uh that movie about the the um the washington lobbyists that miss miss jones or whatever it's called or miss i can't remember her last name but um yeah, the the yeah. movie about the 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 sorkin film about the poker Princess. Yeah, Molly's game. Yeah, Molly's game. I mean, just film and, after film uh, after film where she just mm -hmm. is is Miss Sloan. Yeah, yeah. Miss Sloan. Thank you. That's because that's a great movie, you guys. You should check that out. Um, and this and and more really. But it, Jessica's fantastic. This story is really really interesting. Um, it's very uh, again, especially because it's coming from a comedian and accomplished sketch comedian, and and, and you know, it's so open-hearted to its approach to these two people that we that mm -hmm. it maybe you don't know them it's been a while but if you do know them you you have your mind made up about them you really do it's hard not to saturday night live did a number on these guys when they were going through their problems and they and they're already so cartoony and silly on their show that it, it's just very very easy to to uh to come and very comfortable frankly in a bad way to just forget that there's a person there of any kind. Mm -hmm. um, the things they're accused of ended up being pretty rotten, but the, uh, to be honest, it wasn't anything anyone wasn't doing then. And these days, the scandal they got wrapped up in would not be a scandal at all. The answer to, to it would be to march out there, own it, and wait three days until people got worked up about something else. So, Correct. So, you know, it, so... And the rules of donating to charity and stuff have been completely thrown out the window to the degree that it's you can run a crime syndicate within a charity in a lot of legal ways these days. So the whole thing feels quaint and weird. The 80s fashions, which the, it has to pull off, it nails. That's where the Oscar for hair and makeup goes because um, mm -hmm. well, I see so many 80s things and I'm just like, no, no. I mean, I get it, a touch of it. But no, that's a sweater from three years ago. You know, I just, you're just not <laughs> getting there. They're, you know, right. or they, they just do the lunchbox version of it where, which that isn't it either. So I, I, this film gets it, man. It gets it that the look of that and the world of that amongst these really, really rich people. Um, so the look of it is amazing. You really, it's weird to say because I grew up then, but. You really are transported to another world. <laughs> it really is. I, I don't call anything a period piece if it takes place after World War II, but that's just because that's my perspective on life. 
I think kids today who weren't around for this will look back on that and it'll look as crazy as a movie from 1971 looked to us at the time. And that's really, really cool. And, and I don't know, Tammy Faye, she just, I don't is she redeemed by the story? I don't know. The story absolutely plays fair with these guys. She yeah. it was absolutely was not part of this scandal. Um, poor Jim Baker just folded like a soda cracker when the stuff started coming down. My favorite SNL bit was because there were reviews that he while he was incarcerated, you know, he just sort of went bonkers and became despondent, and that he mm-hmm. his method of his preferred method of coping was to curl up in a, quote, fetal position. And I don't remember who played him on SNL. This is the Dana Carvey era, basically, of that, so I don't remember who it was. Um, But the very first thing they did was they they were interviewing him, and they were asking the hard questions, and he just curled up. And they're like, no, get out of that fetal position! Answer my question! (laughs) The film doesn't feature a fetal position, because it's a cliche, and it's a joke, and Showalter, man... It's such a good movie. It's got plenty of humor in it because the, it's so absurd. It's mm-hmm. really is oh, yeah. their life story was, and their journey together is so kind of weird and strange. But but I I love um, that the humanity comes out of it. That's the only way a thing like this can work. Otherwise, you just if it let you sit back and feel free to judge them, you know, yeah. then you might as well just be a Ryan Murphy movie of the week or something. This is. This is on a whole nother level than that. It really, really is awesome. So, yeah, most of the uh, Jim Baker is mostly played by Phil Hartman. So good old Phil. That makes sense. That makes fun. Yep. I mean, he doesn't look like him, but that sort of histrionics is right in Phil's wheelhouse. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember. I remember him curling up on the, on the, on the <laughs> yeah. couch. Church lady, the church lady's couch. Yeah, get out of that fetal position. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it is absurd. Again, Garfield gets it. He gets what a yeah. weird dude this is, and yet he he he. There's a there really is a person there, and that yeah. They, let's I what a that. bonkers year. What a bonkers year Andrew Garfield had. Man, it's what, just that film is best crazy. picture worthy. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. The the eyes of Tammy Faye. It's it's mm-hmm. so far on this list. It's just so well done from start to finish. Perhaps the story or whatever didn't make it worthy, or perhaps we had a, enough biopics for one year. I don't know, but it, it's right. it's really really strong stuff. All right, next up is Cyrano. Uh, this is uh, Cyrano as um, as portrayed by Peter Dinklage. Um, it's a musical. Something. Yeah, and it's nobody told me that, man. I hunkered down nobody, to watch this. Nobody. Not, no, not knowing I was and, watching a musical and and still nobody talks about it that, that it's a musical like you you yeah well, it's I mean, a musical it's, like, it's important that it, it's a musical and uh, there's a, several reasons one not everybody likes when people break into song and stuff and they should not be tricked into watching a version mm-hmm. of Cyrano by an accomplished British filmmaker with a bunch of actors that you already love and then and then they start singing and you're like what. You should, that just that happened to me. I, yeah. I waited a whole calendar year almost from when this came out till, and it was nominated for Oscars. And it's it it wasn't a super prestige film of its era, but it is a prestige film. Joe Wright directs. 
um, based on the American musical, which had a, a sort of off-Broadway and regional theater, a lot of regional theater success, is particularly yep. in the Northeast. It's got one fantastic song in it, but it's weird. The song is sung by these soldiers that we just met right before they start <laughs> singing the song. So, right. so it's it's like it's like the the awesome song from the show is like about people and sung by people that we don't know. And even though I appreciate giving those people a voice, the musical I think is what holds this thing back. I think the musical robs it it puts pop songs in the place uh they're really good songs though don't get me wrong it but it puts pop songs in the place of the iconic moments from Cyrano and you're robbed of those so mm -hmm. you don't really get to see Dinklage do the insult scene and you don't really get to see him do just all the way through the thing the the big purple moments of Cyrano de Bergerac are replaced by by rather modern musical compositions that people sing, and that yeah. was a that was a letdown to me. Uh, by the end of it, when they're singing to each other in, with the sad ending of Cyrano, like it was pretty awesome. And the song is one of those that then takes on a different meaning that I really liked. So it's not like I didn't like it. And Joe writes, you know, he's a he's a visual. I was going to say. Not a bad word, but I was going to say a word that's not fair to him. But he's a he's. I was going to say a word that I should only reserve for Baz Luhrmann. He's a <laughs> he's a visual expressionist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, he has a yeah. That's too um, kind a of word because he just over the top mm -hmm. of stuff. It's just uh, uninterrupted shots that aren't. You don't really need a couple of them in his films are breathtaking and you do need them, but he just, it, you lose track of the people and it's already tough in a play, you know, it's already theatrical and stuff. So I don't know. I liked how it looked. I enjoyed myself. I liked Cyrano, but, but I was half, it, my heart was thinking this could be it. This could be my favorite Cyrano. And the, the fact that it's a modern musical just, it can't be my favorite Cyrano. It, mm -hmm. it's, there's not enough of what makes Cyrano great in it, even though there's a lot of things to do. A great song between our, our two, in our love triangle, our two male lovers. Um, that's neat. Um, they The sung thing, the very famous, I'm feeding you lines to seduce the woman you love from hiding behind the hedge or whatever. That song is really, really nicely done. Um, Real... Uh, What's what's our uh, hero's name, or heroine's Christian? name? Oh, Roxanne. Roxanne. Yeah, I Haley Bennett. I forgot that, but the woman mm -hmm. who plays her is great. And and but more to the point, Roxanne's a tricky part to play. We talked about it in a double feature episode when we reviewed the Stephen Martin movie. Roxanne's just like, what's your deal? You know, you're you're. She's tough. She's a tough one. She could easily be disliked by the audience, and you really got to walk a bit of a tightrope to get her to get the audience yeah. on her side. And this actor does a really, really nice job of that for the most part, I think, because she's a spoiled brat too, and that's part yeah. of the story. You can't just not do that part of it. <laughs> that's important, but it's a tough role, and she did a nice job. So I like Cyrano. You guys, at this point, maybe you've all seen it already, but. I love Peter Dinklage. I mean, Peter Dinklage as Cyrano right. and the and the um, the 
insecurity about him not being a, a not being his oversized nose, but being his his size as a person is fantastic. Uh, juxtaposition that works perfectly. So there's a lot right. to like about it, but right. I didn't know it was a um, musical. If, even if I had just known, <laughs> yeah. Even if yeah. I had just known, I might have been able to accept it. They more on, on its they own terms. hid that. They hid that through all of the previews. Uh, and I think you know, I, yeah, it's it is weird how uh, how how good of a job they did uh, on something they should not have done. Uh, they should have. Why not know. sell it as a musical? The whole point. I know. Dinklage yeah, apparently also, played played that he originated the role in that musical, so he was adopted throughout all the different versions of the thing, and he's right at home in it. His singing voice isn't great, but he's such a good actor that you know when he hits the right notes, he really sells the songs and the internal life of the guy. Right, which is another it's a, that's another hard thing to do with Cyrano. He spouts off all his feelings, but you know it can't just be recitation. It's it's a, he's a challenge to play too. Peter's fantastic. Yep. Um, all right, well let's stay in uh, in a world of being uh, way over the top on things. And let's talk about House of Gucci. <laughs> uh, if you want scandal, um, lives of the rich and super uber uh, famous. The ooh, yep, all that when, stuff. When Patrizia Reggiani, an outsider from humble beginnings, marries into the Gucci family, her unbridled ambition begins to unravel their legacy and triggers a reckless spiral spiral of betrayal decadence revenge and ultimately murder ultimately murder, murder. um ultimately. ridley scott yeah, ridley scott yep. ridley scott made this film and um the last duel in the same year holy moses that's good work, bro. Yeah. Um, Last <laughs> Duel is, I think, is pretty extraordinary. Actually, it's got. It also has its challenges, and this film I find quite a bit less extraordinary, but it's still really accomplished movie. I, I think it absolutely does play fair with the biographical information that it has at its disposal. Lady Gaga's great. Adam Driver's great. I mean, if you just look at the poster, Jeremy Irons is great. You know, it's all and all the way down the line, everybody is is game for this and it's one of those mm -hmm. big productions not a big green screen production but it's one of those big european country hopping you know uh right. views into the world well, and of it, decadence. yeah, and it, yeah thank you it needs to capture that that the uh, a world that none of us ever will ever get to see yeah and, and it 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 does a really really neat job of that and of course al pacino how could i forget that um it just uh Oh, and who's the brother? He's fantastic too. A little goofy, but um, uh, oh, Jared um, Leto. Of course. Yeah, Jared Leto. Un un almost unrecognizable Jared Leto as as uh, as the right. as the supposed heir of the empire, who's just too stupid and tasteless to to be such. And that is a tragedy in that. That's really sad. So even if even if you do have money to burn, and you know, like they're. Their problems aren't our problems, but they do still have their problems. Right. Um, I dig it. I didn't love it, I but I liked it a lot. I, I, I like that kind of film, and I think this one did a really, really great job. I think, uh, you know, 
I'm only going to get so into people like this and their their issues even with each other like just in a snow globe of a story it works great but it, it's just like it's not that I don't care it's just I don't that, know that's he, more that's he, more he where did a I great was. job I, I might, Ridley I, I, yeah I, yeah. yeah, right. I'm oh. like I get I am like it's good. I just I don't I don't really care. What was um, the story so. about the the kidnapping that he just did is very very similar where where Christopher Plummer replaced Kevin Spacey at the last second. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um um This is even better than that and that was quite good, but it's still this glimpse into the lives of these moguls and these multimillionaires. Uh director. Oh, not the producer. I need director. There we are. Um director is no, I want the previous. It is called uh it is called it is co come on IMDb work with me here. Stop going back to producer. Boy, they've gotten terrible. Oh, yes, this is this is They used not to be cool. our friend, a friend to moviegoers everywhere. And now IMDb, every time you change anything, like you make your mm -hmm. thing three times worse than it was before. I don't Mm -hmm. All the money in the world. All the money in the world. Thank you. Uh, IMDb, if you're listening, go check out Wikipedia. That's all we want. You don't have to... You yeah. don't need all this other stuff. It's frustrating. All right, so... And if you don't watch out, we're just going to Wikipedia from now on. problem with Wikipedia is it doesn't give us those nice little synopsis it gives you the great the whole damn story it gives a giant thing and and often and often uh we would we would have to like deep dive search to find the aspect ratio uh, which is shameful because um, that's mm -hmm. the second most important thing about the movie maybe the most important maybe probably you decide well, I mean, listeners hey depends on house of gucci's yeah. great it's it is it is what it's selling Unlike Cyrano, there's you're not going to be shocked or surprised, or there's no bait and switch going on in this film. This is exactly what it promises to be, and it fulfills that promise in a great way. It's really, really well done film, and and it's weird to say with all the star power and all the budget on display, it's by today's theatrical standards, it's a modest film, and. And because this is the film where it'd be the film of the year, you know, just 20 years ago, it's, it'd be this huge film and it just isn't anymore. It doesn't have anything going that compels people to get their butts in the cinemas, but it's certainly a ride worth taking. If you, if you're interested in that, that story, it's it mm -hmm. really well done by everybody. Um, all right. Uh, that is going to finish it up for our little, um, uh, Oscar want to be's Oscar contendors, I guess. Nice. About, um, about halfway through the show, we got that out. Yeah, so, there you go. So, Joel, as yeah. you scroll down, we should be looking for a similarly sized category. Well, the next the next category on the list is similarly sized, uh, and that is uh, this a little bit of a little. Well, we have little. Do you want to wait and do little science fiction with big science fiction? Maybe, and either way, I think little science fiction doesn't really go well with the award ceremony stuff. So keep scrolling. We'll sure. find one. Okay. Well, we could do old fashioned suspense. We could do British feel good true stories. Got to save those. Uh, Everybody loves a British history. feel good true story. Mm, what, true you know. story, Joel. Don't forget to say the quotes on that one. True story from the headlines. Um, and we have. Let's see. We could do period dramas, uh, biopic topolis, 
Um, and we could, hey, we could jump into the heroes and super, you know, the superhero movies and just knock yeah, that. There's crap certainly out. plenty of them. Let's do uh, um, period dramas. We've done a bunch of period dramas as part of this category, but let's do period dramas and. Uh... All right, give me a second here to see where we find my period dramas. Here we go. The first one up is uh, the movie. Oh boy, P- and everyone. this really this super. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just say very excited uh, to see Harry Styles uh, on uh, in, in in film. Uh, My policeman um on amazon prime sometimes i'll tell you that sometimes i won't yep. we don't tell you every time um but this was definitely an amazon prime exclusive uh harry styles playing um a young linus roche that's the characters this is a film that takes place both in the modern day and in a, a tricky sort of pre pre not modern day, I guess. They must be in the early 70s or something. Either way, there's an old version of the story and a young version of the story, and you bop back and forth between them. So uh, uh, so let's do the six actors. Let's just get this out of the way. So um, okay. Harry Styles, uh, who's the young, same person that Rupert plays in the future? Uh yeah, so we have uh yeah we have uh, again Harry Styles, Linus Roach, uh They're Rupert the same Everett, guy. yeah Rupert Everett, and then uh, uh and then younger let's see Patrick as David Dawson. Okay, and then the woman the 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 is uh well the younger Marion is Emma Corrin, and older Marion is Gina McKee. Sorry to go through all that, but I think it's important. Mm-hmm. I don't. I I know all these actors actually, but I but I'm not. This isn't House of Gucci where you just let's take a look at the stars. You know, you got to make sure mm-hmm. you get their names in there. Gina McKee, she's really really great. And you Harry know Styles her is, from Notting Hill. Yeah, Harry yeah. Styles is becoming a pretty great actor too. Um, or maybe not. I don't. I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with that. But we'll see. We'll, we'll get to a time. movie later in the in our episodes here, where Joel will get to demonstrate exactly why he thinks that's not true. Um, yep. Yeah, maybe he's not that great in this. I don't know. This is the, my policeman. It's a story about a. It is a story about a policeman. He's homosexual in a time where it was impossible. I mean, in fact, illegal to be one. He's a police officer. Who's a homosexual in a time where being a homosexual is illegal, and he falls in love with uh, a, r- a rather flamboyant, more comfortable in his own skin homosexual from the era, who uh, this Patrick who runs a museum. He's like a museum curator kind of you know uh, guy, and they have a steamy relationship. And then somewhere in there, he meets this woman while he's sort of leading his double life. This is. Not a new type of story by any means, although we don't often see a, where this film gets a ton of credit isn't so much in these early scenes where we've kind of seen this all before, even though they're really, really well done and, and touching and, and frustrating. You, you, Whenever we're told a story that where you're not allowed to be yourself and that's the thing, that's the cage that you're locked, that our heroes are locked in, it's frustrating because it's the answer to, to solves all your problems. You, if there's enough problems in life when we're allowed to be who we truly are, that to, to 
have a, a crisis of identity and be locked in a prison of identity is so, it's tough to watch. It's just tough to sit through when it's done well. And this is done pretty well. Um, but, you know, he marries somebody that he's, quote, we've heard this before too, very fond of. It'll work out. She's mm -hmm. she's very, she takes uh, Patrick, uh, you know, on his own merits. This is, a, this is where prejudice sort of comes from. As at the, right. really as the wisest character in the show, she, we expect her to navigate this. Or mostly, this story would be about her and how she's jilted by this situation. It's it isn't really. She's an equal player in it, but she just she can't. The idea of homosexual activity makes her sick, and she can't even cope with it like on that level. But she loves her husband, so her. Her take and her tactic is to try and win him over whilst try to keep him out of trouble, and it's a balancing act, man. That's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and try not let her bitterness get to her too much, but it but it right. does. And what's great about this story is Linus Roach, Rupert Everett, and Gina McKee because they're only in it about a third of the time, maybe even a little less than a third of the time. It really does tell the story and then it shows us these glimpses into our present day but uh everett's character uh he he's needs to be cared for she brings him out to this remote island that they're living on he doesn't want to see him he doesn't really want to deal with him the husband <laughs> harry or linus roach's character he's very insular and he's just sort of doing his own thing and and it's strange that she, in the future, is the one that is bringing this together. And and there are reasons for that. There's there's atonement that she's trying to work through, but it it's it's complicated. I like the complicated messiness of the situation. I like sure. It's frustrating, but I like when characters aren't talking to each other right. There's a lot of tension and just an inability to communicate, and there's a lot of payoff in you finally are. You know what I mean? Like let's please be truthful for once um i so i dig it it's well done it's based on a book that's probably great um but it's not that great it it's just yeah there are more artfully done period dramas you know what i mean man i love linus roach too i i, I just it's it just it's a bit of an exercise in frustration and it doesn't give you any of the the romance isn't even there. Usually when people, I mean, it is, you feel their attraction to one another, or maybe it's just that I'm a cisgendered male heterosexual, so I just am not getting it. But even that part of it, which I would really help, if you really felt like these guys were meant to be together, but they mm -hmm. they almost from the get-go feel like this is just trouble. Beyond right. <laughs> beyond the societal concerns, this is just trouble. And you kind of, I sensed that right away, and I was never able to quite get over that to get in a really emotional state over my policing, but I liked it. It's good. And if it's on your radar, you should check it out. If that sort of story means something to you. I well, there you go. I mean, um, I didn't love it. There's a similar story that deals with similar things in a much more artful and yet even more standoffish way coming up here in a couple of movies. So okay. just as a point of comparison, my policeman at least is made, was made for everybody to experience. <laughs> I mean, I like that. Uh, I don't sure. know that Spencer was, you know, I 
feel like right. it really oh sure wasn't. yeah i feel like that's just us cinema files are getting together on that one there's a yeah i i you say that it makes me think of like all these people who are like oh i just love the royals i love oh i love the crowd i'm gonna put in spencer and then they're just like Whoa. Right, even even Ooh. Princess Diana devotees and stuff like you you yeah. get nothing from this movie. You just yeah. really don't. It's but that's what's great about it. It's challenging. It's good to be challenged every once in a while. Y'all. I wanted to. I'm gonna watch the Diana musical on Netflix. My policeman is very yeah. approachable. It's very approachable, and I like um, that about it. But I just I could only get into it so much. Uh, next up is an epic old-fashioned weepy about the storms of love, as one critic put it. It is called The Road Dance. A young girl lives in the outer Hebri- uh, Hebrides. Hebrides? He- Hebrides? Hebrides? I don't remember how that's pronounced. I haven't seen the movie clearly. A young girl lives in the outer Hebrides in a small village in the years just before World War One. Isolated and hard by the shore, her life takes a dramatic change when a terrible tragedy befalls her. What did that dipshit critic just say? Read that again, because I want to. I'm gonna engage uh, with him directly. <laughs> I try not to do that, but uh, I just said it was at the top of this poster, and so I thought it would be a nice transition into it's it. It's on the poster. An epic. It's on the poster. An epic, old-fashioned weepy about the storms of love. Mm-hmm. That's that silence you hear is. Ryan's I just that's disdain. Well, and I know the poster too. I didn't read that. I don't. I don't read those blurbs. I'm sorry. I think they're. Yeah. Well, normally I, they're I don't always either. full just of puns to... and they're shameful and stupid, and I just don't read them. So I <laughs> even when they're right before my eyes, like I don't see them, which is strange. Mm-hmm. But I know the poster. The poster has this picture of this young period woman who looks like she's going to. Um, ride out the storms of love if you will she is uh she is looking back but uh over her shoulder at what could only be a life that once was <laughs> i don't so that's the image and we know that kind of story and i just need to warn you this isn't that kind of story at all the storms of love is not the storm that this woman is dealing with it is a, it is it the synopsis gets to it a tragic event befalls her and it's right not to spoil what it is but it's as bad as something that can happen to somebody as can happen to somebody and and i just don't like that the i don't my i get that the posters trying to be coy with you but i don't like that the critic is all flowery and misleading the audience this is a film about trauma mm. That's what's great about it. That's what sets it apart from the usual hair-swept life on a British island before World War One type of thing that you're, you know, that you're expecting. There's love is at stake here, but war trampled love. World War One trampled young love to dust. It killed everybody. Every young mm-hmm. person that went off to that thing that wasn't really, really loaded when they went or even many, many who were, it trampled them. Wiped out a whole generation, practically. There, there, there one in three families lost children in World War One in England. Um, it's We talked about it before. It's part of why mediums and stuff sort of, at, you know, came out of that era was because everyone wanted to get in touch with their loved ones and everybody watched them march off 
gleefully to war in a new uniform and then never heard from them again. And that sense of, like, I wasn't even here for it. It wasn't a wagon accident or it wasn't, it was their just poof, they're just gone, the whole generation. Yeah. And that's hard yeah. enough. You know, she does fall in love with the, the right guy and he goes off to war and that's hard enough. What happens to her isn't isn't extra. It's the whole thing, and it's horrendous. And and the way she has to cope with it, and the way she doesn't can't deal with it in an honest way, even with the people that would support her. Um, the societal issues of the era that are at stake, and the way that secrets have to be kept and stuff it's just it it's 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 a really really good movie and i was really really moved by it. it's very subtle this one joel is done in that bbc style very very much sure. so you know what i mean it's like mm -hmm. two really serious back-to-back -back episodes of pull dark or something it really is like that but that's to me, anyway, if you like period dramas, and I assume you do because you kept listening to us when we decided to do the period drama category next. This is a good one, and it's it's a it's a meaningful one. That's about stuff that these usually just issues that they just sort of skirt by, and this one doesn't. Mm -hmm. It takes it takes a really tough one on head on, and I I and it, it but it, it's a cinema thing, so it's it, it's not a TV show where. You know, in a series, this would be a dark period in a period yeah. drama series like Downton Abbey, which has dealt with similar things, as just as an example. Um, but they can deal with it over a course of a few episodes, over a season or whatever. Uh, this has to do it all in one fell swoop and still keep all those other period drama balls juggling. And I, I think it... I think it was really... I was surprised by how good it was. But I, I'm pissed at that critic for selling it in that corny way because that this movie's not like that at all. I'm trying to see. Let's see. Uh, there's another quote here. Let's see. Um, oh, it just is beautiful and brilliant. Okay, well, maybe you should put it's, that it's, at the top It of is the beautiful in its own way, yeah. Um, all right. Next up is uh, Benediction. And just to be clear, uh, I want a, a little just to make sure with Ryan, this is the uh, Terrence Davies Benediction. Correct. Correct. Uh, okay. Because another Benediction came up. Uh, that's a 2022 Benediction, but it was, I think that's a, either a Japanese or that's a oh. Japanese or a Korean film. I didn't even. Uh, no, it is Terrence Davies, who's a uh, uh, Terrence Davies. Right. Terrence Davies, if he would, lived in another era would be the theatrical director of his day. You know, he's, mm. he, he's, I, I, his whole filmography is basically these little chamber dramas and he adapts them. He's a writer mm -hmm. and a director and he's basically a mastermind. Um, I wish I could remember the name of the other film. Oh, Mike, Mike, um, similar filmmaker did all those Timothy Spall movies and stuff. Mike Lee. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. Mike Lee. Yeah. 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 If you, if you think Mike Lee, if that means anything to you, and Terrence Davies, while we're inside more than outside, we would be outside a lot more in a Mike Lee movie. Um, so, you know, just dark, more darkly lit and stuff. But it's it's very similar approach to filmmaking. It's absolutely character first, and it pulls no punches. It, 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 uh, he, he, uh, uh, just coasts right by simple 
dramatic arcs and things. He skirts right by the he coast by the formula that these films mm -hmm. are, and so you, it keeps you always on the edge of your seat. It's another thing that Mike Lee does that I think is really really amazing. But it's weird. Uh, fly on the wall storytelling is challenging because it doesn't it doesn't give you the 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 tension and the payoffs and the tension and the payoffs the way you're used to sure. getting them. And because of that, sure. I find both those filmmakers tricky. But I love Terrence Davies. I love the look of this film. Um, the two, this is another one where... Let me, yeah, let me give the plot synopsis real quick and then we'll, we'll get into the specifics. Legendary 20th century war poet Siegfried Sassoon's life quest for personal salvation through his experiences with family, war, his writing, and destructive relationships goes unresolved, never realizing it can only come from within. Uh, that is a long run-on sentence, but yeah, but it, it gets uh, it, it all in there, and it's a com it in there. Yep. it's a complex tale. So I, I I approve of that synopsis, even though it's a little longer than I usually like them. Um, it is about a poet and a a poet who looks at the world, you know, and like um, like a lot of our favorite poets, the guy's complicated and he's unlikable in a lot of ways. <laughs> You know, like you love and you're tremendously moved by the poet, and then you meet the person, and he's like, "Well, this guy's a dick," and of course, yeah. it it he isn't. That's over radically oversimplifying it, but that there is an essence of that to this. This guy goes through a lot as a young person. He's already a very challenging and confrontational, and very very smarter than everybody in the room that he walks into. And as he ages, the bitterness sets in, and by the time we see him played by a uh, Who's uh, uh, Peter Capaldi? Yeah, by the time, which is, you know, the greatest grumpy old guy actor that we have, basically, at least in Britain. Correct. Yeah. Um, well, by the time we see him, he's intolerable. Um, but I liked it. I I liked it a lot. I mean, I but I I it's hard to recommend it. It's 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 a hard impenetrable story. Um, the film's in love with his writing, and it trots that out time and time again in ways that are sort of magical. But as a, are we really studying this guy? It's it's harder, and and it's so sweeping, and it goes through so much a long time period that it also doesn't feel like you're living through. It feels like you're blowing by sort of the important biographical things, but mm. but that's what it's meant to be. It's it's meant to be. It's meant to take. It's meant to see the thing through the lens of the poetry, and it, and it does that, and that's a hard assignment, you know, it really is, and it does it yeah. with a lot of grace and a lot of just a lot of humanity. Again, I don't mean to keep repeating myself, but it, that helps. But it it's not. We got a couple crowd pleasing period dramas coming up, but this just isn't one of them. This is a really <laughs> sure. challenging movie. Um, the Road Dance is at least has the structure of one of them, but. But to say it's crowd-pleasing would be really, really misleading. This one, right. it's not misleading to say, this is not trying to please you. You know, this is again, this is one artist's take on a guy. And it's not abstract, but it's super poetic and right. super subtle. And that's something in our cinema that we're, we've gotten away from. And it's something that our early cinema didn't even really have. So it's, it's, a, it, it's a bit discombobulating yeah. when you sit down to watch it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's move on. Remember how uh, in um, Game of Thrones, uh, how everybody, uh, pretty much everybody to a T, 
when Liana Mormont, the the little the 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 girl uh, who became the head of the Mormont family, um, and how just how crazy awesome she was and what a badass she was, premiering uh, tonight on uh, HBO alongside HBO is it, it, yep. If we're talking about her, we should mention we that. Are, we because are by talking, the time people are listening to this, that's going to be mm -hmm. all the rage, I get the sense. Yep, we are talking about Bella Ramsey, and she's, uh, yeah, she'll be starring in The Last of Us on HBO um, alongside um, um, Pedro Pascal. And um, yeah, two but former, this movie. Two former uh, um, Game of Thrones alums. Game of Thrones, yep. Um, this movie, though, a uh, little movie she did uh, about a 14-year-old girl in medieval England navigating through life and avoiding potential suitors her father has in mind. It is Catherine called Birdie. Yeah, it sounds pretty great, does it? Yeah, it sounds, um, it sounds really fun. It comes with, the, uh, this, uh, it comes with either list, the, yeah. the big draw into the thing or it comes with the big warning stamp right on it, that this is a film that was adapted and directed by... Lena Dunham. Who's, uh, who I think is awesome, but who's not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> Correct, yeah. She's she's very much... Uh, yeah, very much... Um, she's a divisive, uh, she's divisive. A divisive yeah, figure she's because divisive, yeah. she's... Because she doesn't... Uh, mm -hmm. Here's... I can tell you... I mean, here's why I know at, it's awesome. At, at criticism and stuff. She's a provocateur, and this is a provocative yep. take on a time-old, let's marry the little rich girl type of story. Right. Um, there is only one reason uh, for me to know that I will like this film, and it is my, uh, my giant man crush, Andrew Scott, is in it. Um, I love anything that that man does, uh, and well, so I know that I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah, so, you'll, you'll love him in so this. As, take as, that. As the spoiled rich guy who doesn't have any money, and this is his only way to like keep his mm -hmm. empire going for a few more years, the, absolutely the only thing he has is his good name and a daughter that he can sell and off it, to the highest bidder, essentially. Correct, yeah. And the story is a very comedic and very high-spirited take on on our hero Catherine called Birdie, uh, her attempts to thwart every lover potential husband put in front of her through all kinds of different schemes and bad behavior and just all the way all the way down the line. Yeah, yeah. Um it's super fun. This movie is super fun and super oh, good. pleasing. So you got that going for you. But it, it also has at the heart of it you know, a woman as as collateral, a woman as commodity, and and that's what it explores. And there is something deep and dark and terrible about that. Um, right. And and it's it has a lot of fun with the little, even during this era. It's it's not it's not strict with its era stuff. It it feels like a goofy thing that's a little out of time. It feels like a story that would make a great half hour episode you know tv show on netflix actually <laughs> yeah yeah and it even has that look and feel to it. it it it's it's dark and grimy and there's farm animals everywhere and stuff like that but it it it's also bright brightly lit and it never wants you to forget that it's that we're all supposed to be having fun with this subject right uh and i i like that a lot about it uh scott is fantastic in it because he's a He's not a good guy, and yet Scott mm -hmm. Scott 
keeps reminding us, just when we want to hate him, he just keeps reminding us how pathetic and helpless this dude is. And how he's such a product of his, not just not just the, the world he's in, but the family he's raised in and the role that he plays in life. It's it's he is no less caged in that than she is. I yeah, think because yeah. she's a plucky young girl, we, we feel a lot more for her, and I think you should. But they're all they're all trapped in the roles that they're that they're meant to play, and there there's tragedy in that, but there's just tons of comedy in it as well. Mm-hmm. And it's about teenage girls and how they see the world. And there's a <laughs> there's a like there's a these they're just on their cell phones and they're just it, it, their world is totally different than ours, but they're interacting in it in a super modern teenage girl sort of way. And that is delightful. That's just, there's a ton of comedy that comes out of that, that I really, really like. So. Well, very cool. Um, well, next up is uh, Amazon a title. Prime has Catherine. Uh, yep. Um, the uh, next one is a Netflix uh, film. Uh, this is Netflix's re- uh, release of lady Chatterley's lover. <laughs> An unhappily married aristocrat begins a torrid affair with the gamekeeper on her husband's country estate. <laughs> what Lady Chatterley Lover is man. It's almost. We haven't. Uh, it's yeah, almost haven't... the, the just a, a the, like the signature period drama. I don't know how to explain it, but the, it's like. There's Madame Bovary the and there's Jane Eyre. Signature Aaron, period romance. It's, yeah. yeah, it truly is. I mean, it's just like to me, it's, it's, it just it nails that. So we've and it's been adapted eight thousand times. So what? Correct. What are we doing here that's different, or that that, <laughs> yeah, would, that you yeah. need this thing to be? Right yeah. Now? Um. That's I don't know if I can answer that fully, but that's the question we need to be asking every time they trot one of these out. If you're going to do Macbeth right. again, I mean, what, why, what's your thing that you're going to do? Yep, sure, sure. Uh, if you don't have anything, then you you got to have then you at least got to have Denzel Washington as Macbeth. And, oh, you do? Okay, cool. Yep. You know, I used to say that. Why are you doing Death of a Salesman again? Did you get Richard Dreyfus to do it? Oh, you did. Okay, cool. I mean, that's yep. good enough. Then just do it. Yeah, but you have somebody who's perfect for it doing it. I'll take it. This doesn't have that, though. These aren't big stars that are in this thing. They're good actors. Um, And it's gorgeous, period costuming and everything. It's all long flowing and great. And it's who's the author of the novel that it's based on? D.H. Lawrence. Of course. And Lawrence is writing, and he was very, and this is the thing, though, but when you watch this, what is it? But this is the thing that you can't appreciate, that he's writing about this. This wasn't a period drama, Lawrence. These were people that were alive down the street from him or down the country road from him like this. He was confronting, again, kind of the same thing we talked about with my policeman, where just a a woman who's not free to express her emotions at all. She's free to have an affair within the norms of society. But with the gamekeeper, probably not. And... Uh, it's it's has a lot of the same as this. It's a World War One era thing. Uh, the, our uh, can't remember the name of the actor. Who's Lord Lord Chatterley or whatever? Uh, uh, Clifford Chatterley is played by Matthew Duckett. And he's great. Um, he's great. I haven't seen it. I mean, he's mm-hmm. always a passerby in these types of films. I haven't seen him with this big a role before. 
he's very pragmatic too, but he, and it's very hard to humanize this, but he does a great job of it. He really thinks, she says to him, what, is there anything between you and your servants, between you, is there any shared humanity? And he's just like, absolutely not. Like he really doesn't mm -hmm. realize that he could have been born on the other side of the tracks and had a whole different life. He believes it's a reason for the way things are, and there's a reason for this very feudal society that was still England, you know, was still going through at the time. Yeah. He's got to wake up from that. And uh, our sexy beefcake uh, gamesman played by... Uh, it is Jack O'Connell. You may not know Jack O'Connell, ladies, but I'll tell you, he's a good actor. He gets to the heart of what this guy is, and he looks great with either a wet shirt or a shirt off or some combination of the two things. And this role requires the former, or the movie wouldn't be worth a damn, but it also really requires the sort of romantic novel image and standoffish yeah. hero with the accent and the tortured past, you know. Later Chatterley's Lover, you got to appreciate for what it was for what it was in its time. Yep. And you have to understand that it's not Wuthering Heights and we're not barreling towards full-on crazy murderous tragedy. It's a yeah. much more subtle thing than that. But but it's good. It's as good a version I've seen several. This is as good a version I still mm -hmm. don't like late. I don't want to go through the story again enough to watch this again over and over again. <laughs> but th it, this would be, it, it really is good enough to be my go-to Lady Chatterley's lover. It's, it's seen with a modern eye and yet it's very, very true to the conventions of the day. And it's gorgeous. Like you want it to be, you do feel the passion of the side relationship. There is a whole cast of supporting characters who are actually trying to support everybody and have the, this thing turn out okay. In that way, it's mm -hmm. it's a little bit like Anna Karenina, where let's not blow this thing up. There's all these times where we, God, if we just everybody calm yeah. down, let's <laughs> keep it polite. Like we could avoid, mm -hmm. you know, bad news. This this film doesn't end in a Russian way. It ends in a British way. So you you can you can watch it safely with a cup of cocoa and know that you're not going to be having nightmares sure. about it when you go to sleep. But it's still um, tough. It's a challenge. A, a, yeah. An affair, a marriage, and, and by a young woman who thinks that the marriage is going to be fine. It's not like she's in a... It's not Catherine called Purdy. It's she's she's like, oh, well, he's a decent man, and, and I'm this is my role. And, I mean, even her awakening to, hey, this sucks. Like, this, is a, <laughs> this is against... Yeah who we are and what our urges are as people and that those have meaning for us in ways that you don't want to follow every urge you have. There's a balance truly to be struck between this stuff. And in that world of that time, it wasn't being struck. And, and Lawrence examines the cost of that. And the film does a good job of portraying that in a way that's very palatable. It's not a great period drama, but it's, yep. It's a time old story, and I I did mm -hmm. I really thought they did a good job with it. So uh, we should mention Emma Corrin, who was also in My Policeman. She oh, yeah, is yeah. Uh, she is the titular Lady Chatterley, and, and that's that's um, that's the role the whole thing revolves around, and she's mm -hmm. fantastic. 
Um, all right. Next up is uh, is another uh, a young woman courts a mysterious wealthy suitor in nineteenth century England. Can I say one last um, thing about Lady Chatterley? Because just to let us go back. Uh, hey guys, Emma Corrin, who we <laughs> saw in My Policeman, she is uh, she plays the titular Lady Chatterley. One reason Lady Chatterley was so disliked in her era, and Dana talked about this in our Jane Austen episode, which is one of my favorite episodes. If you love period dramas, please, please, if you haven't checked that out, check it out. Um, there's even a nice little break in the middle where you can go have coffee and stuff or do whatever Joel was doing when we stopped the show but let the cameras roll. Um, it's a fun episode. That's right, I did do that. You did, but we... Uh, it's a fun, and also, it's a fun episode if you want to see Joel not at his best. I did not have a good show. <laughs> yeah, but me and Dana yakking it up about yeah. Jane Austen yeah. really filled in the gaps nicely, I think, because we had a <laughs> lot to say. Uh but Emma Corwin as Lady Chatterley. Lady Chatterley was disliked in her era, the same way a lot of Jane Austen's characters that we love now because of their rebelliousness and their way of sticking it to the conventions of the day was also they were also disliked in their era for for not knowing their place. Uh, that's a really cool phenomena that the literature that we've kept embracing are the ones where the characters themselves were, people were just like, well, I can't believe what you did. I can't believe that. Mm -hmm. Whereas today we're like, yeah, you, it's all you go girl. Like the whole, so have we come a long way, baby? I guess, I don't know why I wanted to go back and make sure I got that in there, but the Emma's portrayal and that character, cause she doesn't. She's an honest character, and she's sneaking around, but she sticks by her guns pretty much every time she's confronted with something. That was immensely unpopular in that day, and yet it's the thing that you'll love about her today. And that's I find that juxtaposition very interesting. Dana brought that up, and I've never forgot it when I engage in these stories these days. So, Well, there you go. So next... Um Next up is, uh, as I may, uh, you know, I'm mentioning this for the first time because we we never have gotten to this movie yet before. We certainly did not go back to talk about Lady Chatterley's Lover. This is a movie about a young woman courting a mysterious wealthy suitor in 19th century England. It could it it could be any movie, basically, uh, <laughs> a young woman courting a mysterious wealthy suitor. But this is Mr. Malcolm's List. <laughs> uh. Mr. Yeah. Malcolm, this movie's I think it's got like a five-star rating or something on IMDb. It's This movie gets raked over the coals. And uh, you've heard me. I like I love period dramas. And I, you've heard me on the show, like, just to really take it to Bridgerton and some of this dumb crap that they're making today. Because I'm just mm -hmm. like, you guys are not even interacting in any way with what the period is. So how can you be a period drama? You're just a shitty soap opera in period dress. And I find that just totally unacceptable. Uh, you, you have to have a sense of what the period was and what the pressures of the period is, of the era of the worlds of the story. Um, I'm not saying Bridgerton has no sense of it or just ignores it, but it, mm -hmm. it can't deal with it engage with it in any meaningful way because it's obscuring everything else so mr malcolm's list has some of the hang-ups that people have with bridgerton bad people not me i'm awesome correct which yes. is it's full of it's got a huge deliberately almost confrontationally diverse cast which i love um 
you know, I, that does that undermine uh, you know the period reality of it? Yeah, it totally does. They, uh, uh, it, but but is it a way for us to see something set in the same time period and, and reflect on it in a different way? Yeah, it's an invitation to do that. Also, um, yeah. Also, this is a this story, Mister Malcolm's. This is a romance. This is a flat up, straight up. Will the people who are in love with each other get together by the end? All of them. There's like eight people, four couples. It gives you everything to invest in in the cheesiest, romanticest way possible. But the gimmick of the story and where the misunderstanding comes and where the farcical, we're not talking to each other and this deception is going to bring the whole enterprise down comes is that Mr. Malcolm, in this case, very fastidious fellow, has made a list of the qualities that he believes any suitor must have for him to consider her as a wife. And his list becomes infamous among this little section of polite society. And it starts with him going out on a date with uh, this woman who's a main character, not the main character, but a main character in our movie, and her hearing about the list, and her hearing that she didn't meet a few things on it, and her... She's a high society person, very eligible bachelorette of the era, and her her resentment and her need to get revenge against him for that rejection, even though it was proper and polite, um, is the engine that drives the thing. And they set up in a very Cyrano way, kind of a, a, as a tool, uh, Frida Frida Pinto's character, who is kind of the main character of the story. They set her up as a false suitor for him to get him to and they 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 get the list through uh convoluted I don't know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. but they get the list so they set her up to meet every single thing on the list and then give him the smackdown at the end but of course she actually does meet up with most things on the list they actually do fall in love and when the smackdown's supposed to come all period romance hell breaks loose i found this movie I get that it's th- it's way on the cartoony side of this sort of thing. Fair enough. But for an original tale that's not based on a novel, that's not something I didn't see, and that's not something that I didn't know how it was going to end for a change, and I really didn't. I thought this this could go bad, actually. I really did. I'm hmm. probably an idiot. It's, of course it's not going to. But it, but I really felt that. So I, I feel like this, a lot of charming characters, lots of really funny period humor, um, lots of fun, high-minded debates between these characters, uh, and despite all of them getting on your nerves, you do go to sort of give a crap what happens to all of them, and I found that really, really neat. So, it's cheesy. It's a, it's a very cheesy, but it's a fee. It's not what we haven't really talked about one of these yet. It's a Lady Chatterley comes close, but this is a feel-good period drama. And if that's well, what you're you showing go. up for, why not? Why not like it? And I know that. So why do I hate Bridgerton? I'm not sure because it's the same. I guess I just find the mm. conflict in that false. Where I find the conflict in this is relatable and human, even if it's nothing we really have to deal with much today. So I love sure. that. I'm so I get so satisfied. I don't think anything makes me happier or just warm or cozier or more cuddly than they made it 
and the period drama couple are going to get married as they should, and they are both in love, and they're both economically well-suited to one another. Like, it just feels so good. And this movie... Yeah. Spoiler alert, but I mean... Maybe it's not much. Look at the poster. Does that look like a movie that's going to break <laughs> your heart? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, no. Probably not. It's probably going to give you no. everything that you most desire. Yes. It is... So. It is going to, yeah. On that level, um, it's good. I liked it. Uh, so I, I'm sad that everybody like me hates it, but I like it. Uh, well, uh, let's move on. You know who's having a moment right now is, uh, as the kids say, is having a moment. And that, of course, is Florence Pugh. Yeah. Uh, she is everywhere and uh, much beloved. Uh, and she uh, is in a little uh, period film called the wonder a tale of two strangers who transform each other's lives a psychological thriller and a story of love pitted against vague that is the vaguest synopsis of all time yeah why just just say what the setup is for the love of god a nurse in i guess we're back in the 1870s something like that and i'm not sure where but a nurse is called in to keep watch over a child who claims to have not eaten anything in months. Okay. And the here we go. Yeah. Set in the Irish Midlands in 1862, the story follows a young girl who stops eating but remains miraculously alive and well. English nurse Lib Wright is brought to a tiny village to observe 11-year-old Anna, Anna O'Donnell. Tourists and pilgrims mass to witness the girl who is said to survive without food for months. Is the village harboring a saint surviving on manna from heaven, or are there more ominous motives at work? That helpful? The answer to that question, strangely, is yes. And whenever you can answer in the affirmative or in the negative to an either-or question, you might have an interesting story on your hands. And the wonder is, examines the religion of the era, and the, we'll just flat out say it, the intense superstition of the era, and how even in this little village, even in quiet, hushed tones, everybody goes bonkers over the idea that they mm -hmm. have. Uh, a living saint surviving through energy sent from God in heaven. Um, and at least 70% of the community thinks there's a 50-50 chance that that's what's happening, that that's a legit answer to the question of what's going on here. That's a weird world that we're, that whatever you want to say about the religious right or evangelicals or any Scientology, you know, just lay it all on. Uh, yeah, the, the the fables and the myths and the stories are crazy when you really look at them. The, the animals two by two. <laughs> That's let's really think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it it's it. There was a time where everybody believed that, and if you didn't, you were you were a crazy outcast, and you had to be dip diplomatic in everything that you did to not just be written off. Um, the watch that this nurse keeps over this little girl and the way she interacts was really interesting. Florence is fantastic. She is your way into watching a story that is this complicated and sort of icky and weird as this one is. And also the Council of Elders, man. It's Toby Jones and Kieran Hines. and It's made up of uh, Brian, Brian F. O'Byrne. 
there's a couple others too that are fantastic like that those scenes i love them very very much and the family is crazy the mother of the little girl is played by the real life mother of the girl what's her name can you give me i know it's hard oh, this is like a boy. in the order of yeah. appearance sort of mm-hmm yeah, very much so. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Here's uh, the let's see. Abig there's Darcy Campion. Uh, Go on, just rattle them off. I'll know her Coburn. name when I hear it. Okay, Abigail Coburn, Ka uh, Carla Hurley O'Dwyer, Juliet Hurley O'Dwyer, uh, Carly Kane. Um, the young people are cast alongside their real life families in this. There's uh -huh. there is a there's a goofiness to that, but there's also a sort of magic to that, that, that it works really, really great here. You'll see, they both have the same last names. It's just sort well, of that's what I'm looking it. for. Uh, well, there's, okay. So there's kill Lord Cassidy and Elaine Cassidy. Elaine is, Cassidy. So it's Elaine yeah, Cassidy. Okay. Who's a, she was in the others. She was the mute girl in the others. She's been in a bunch of different horror movies and a bunch of different genre things. She's a really, really good actor. And it's her daughter, who's along for the ride in this, who's playing the subject of the watch. Sorry to make you go through all that, just to hear people hear That's me right. say Elaine Cassidy. And it's then... fun. It, it's fun because it, it really stamps home that I did not see this movie. Well, yeah, I can't <laughs> see them all. I mean, only I can yep. see them all. Trust me, you will not see all these films. Um, but this is one that may be worth your time. It's right there on Netflix, just a couple clicks away. It's really, really complicated. It's visually arresting. In the same way all of these are, this film reminded me of Road Dance. But Road Dance is dealing with a personal violation, and this is dealing with, you know... This is dealing with intense, crazy yeah. superstition and the sort of backwards, non-scientific, non-medical way these people live their lives. And and a character who finds herself at odds with that and how does she navigate that to keep a, just a crazy injustice from happening. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, Joel. What's-his-face is also in this and he's worth mentioning. What's the guy's name? He's a guy in the movie. He's the guy. He, no, he's guy also a hot named... upcoming dude. Um, uh, there's Tom Burke, David Tom Burke, Wilmot. Nailed yep. it on the first try. Tom Burke, who I really, really like, but whose name I forget because it is Tom Burke. He's in my favorite weird British mystery series with Holiday Granger, whose name I also can't remember. Um, he was in The Three Musketeers on the BBC. He's a fantastic actor. Oh, yeah, CB Strike. You CB yeah, you Strike. Like that. Really, really like CB Strike. If you haven't seen it and you like things like Sherlock and stuff like that, get, get on it. It's great. It's adapted from J.K. Rowling short stories, and I know you're not supposed to like her, but whatever. Her, those mysteries are cool, and those characters are great. Um, Here's a fun thing. Tom Burke is actually Tom Burke the Fourth. It follows. And yet, yeah. what's great about him is that he he just feel he's great for these British stories because he feels so working class and so everyman. Um, he's a he's a tough looking dude, but he's got a real he's got real sensitive eyes, man. I don't know what else to say. I don't want to glow too much <laughs> about Tom, <laughs> but everything I see Tom in, he nails it, and he's I've seen him do a lot of tricky stuff. So he's. He makes an appearance in this. He's not super important, but he kind of is. He's the one guy that she can talk to and bounce things off of, and that relationship is doesn't seem important until it is. And I, I, I like the wonder. You know, I, I don't love it, but I like it. It's challenging in all the right ways. It looks glorious in all the right ways, and it's it's creepy and 
will just sort of creep you out. I think in all the right ways, actually. So, but it's it it's not a horror movie, and it's not a, a psychological thriller like they're saying. It's it's just a dark drama that's about some dark stuff, and and that's great. And it's got, like as Joel said, it's got one of the hottest actors today um, taking on a tricky role, and that's just always rewarding for its own sake. Go get him, Flo. Um, you know what is not dark and challenging? Is Downton Abbey a new era? Is this where we're ending? This is my final. This is our final film for the episode here. Downton Abbey, a new era. We, we, <laughs> you, we, we could not stay away. Those of us who need to know what the Crowleys are up to, we needed to find out. And so we get I can't wait Downton till, Abbey. A new I can't wait era. till like Downton Abbey 12 comes out and we're in the disco era. Um, <laughs> Cause what's that going to be like? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like Downton Abbey. I like that kind of period I love drama. Downton I think, Abbey. I think, oh my God. I think, I love Downton I think Abbey. Julian Fellows is, gets it. I mean, he, he very famously was a, uh, he's an upper crust fellow himself. So he comes from this part of society and then he was an actor and he's a really good actor actually, but he was, he was destined to be the strange doctor or the judge or the this guy or the that guy or the butler. Like he could have played those roles forever if he wanted to, but in a strange way, when Robert Altman wanted to make a period drama, he he took Julian or he didn't know Julian Fellows, but a guy he was working on it with said, "You know who knows everything about this, like which fork goes where, and I mean just really knows everything there is to know about both sides of this stuff." is this actor Julian Fellows. Maybe he could be in it, mm -hmm. or maybe we could have him as a consultant or what, or some whatever. And they sent him the idea, oh, we want to do this, and Julian just spit back the story. What's the name of this movie that I'm talking about? What? The Robert uh, Altman uh, period drama. Yeah, with, uh, with it is. Um, Kristen oh, Scott my Thomas gosh. And, yes. Um, oh, give me a second here. Uh, it is it's not um, your fault. I didn't remember what it's called either. It's awesome. Gosford Park. Gosford, Gosford Park, Park, which had the added benefit of being a murder mystery. As well. Murder. Um, Gosford Park is great. And that was the first script Julian ever wrote. And it, it's kind of co-written by Altman because Robert Altman and Bob Balaban had the idea for the story. But they didn't script mm -hmm. it. They gave it to this guy who'd never written a script before. And he just was... Everything he gave them was like, yes, more of that, do that, do this. And he created this whole ensemble. And that Gosford Park group of people is essentially who shows up in Downton Abbey. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not the same characters, really. And they're in a much brighter more hopeful piece of drama, but they're the same. They're in the same roles and you can feel those same archetypes. And of course the trick is making that human. And this isn't, this isn't a review of Downton Abbey or we could do a whole deep dive on Downton Abbey. Maybe we will. And I'll tell this whole damn story again. Like I did when I, <laughs> when I reviewed the previous Downton Abbey movie, which was oh, just two right. years ago. Um, yeah. But it's worth noting because I like how Julian came to entertainment and I like his take on things and I like his current series and I basically liked everything he wrote because he really does this. He writes original stories for the most part. He doesn't do adaptations and he really does get to the heart of the matter. He knows why we come to them. He's really good at delivering that and yet he's really good at examining the other things about society at the time. 
Downton Abbey's been going on for too long. The show went on a little too long. Um, the reunion movie was great, though. Like, it really was like, wow, you did it. I mean, I did yeah. It's just another yeah. episode of Downton Abbey, but it's a really great episode with all kinds of great stuff in it. Um, this is, you did it again, but it's the same as that other movie, but just not quite as good as that other movie. So where are we going with these? Every time we check in with these guys, things are, for the most part, working out. Because you can't yeah. leave a movie from a big, long TV show everyone loved that has a happy ending in any other place than, yes, it's still happy, you know, even if something <laughs> goes wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't keep coming up with reasons to spend two more hours with these folks because it's tough. There's a ton of them. Yeah. And it just starts to feel like a parlor trick and less like a human drama. And that was the problem with the show as well. But it's, the show is still great. It still ended in a good spot. There's still a lot of things to love about it. I loved revisiting them in the earlier film. I even liked hearing this shitty music again, which I'd never really liked. Um, although, I guess we talked about it on the show. It, it's good as music. It, he, it's terrible as something that appropriately underscores drama. And you, Correct, yeah. You do have to do both, and it doesn't manage that second part very well, unfortunately. Even though, the, like, the theme and stuff is very pleasant and very musical. Uh, this is more of the same, so it's kind of a sad way to end our episode with just, <laughs> meh, meh. But, yeah, I mean, it's Downton it's, Abbey. You you're not going to watch it. It's not going to be your first experience with Downton Abbey. Yeah, if you're, if you're going, hmm, I've heard so much about this Downton Abbey thing, but I've never checked it out. Maybe I should watch the sequel to the first movie that they did on this TV series. <laughs> if you're doing that, Joel, you're can you doing tell me, movies wrong. Can you tell me what's the new era? I watched the thing. What are they talking uh, about? What do they mean? Well, or does it spoil I, well, I, to say? I I think it is. Well, I mean, it, it's it's the big uh, uh, departure of the film uh, at the end of the film. Uh, um, I think that's what it means. Is like that there no longer is this. Uh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. So I and and it really has turned, uh, you know, and it, it kind of again it goes back to the whole um, Lady Mary uh, uh, is now has to it, it as the has to maintain um, our our present way of life into the modern yeah era. and and yeah and and usher in the modern era era um, you know and so yeah i think i'll it's, say uh, this there has to be another one of these this can't be the last one there has to be one more i think i don't yeah I don't. It, well it'll be it'll it'll be really even interesting, though even uh, though uh, there there's there are to be fair to this film there are some big things that happen in it mm -hmm. um there has to be another uh, one and when there is yeah i just want to remind the producers writers everybody about joanna froggett and brendan croyle They've been Correct. set dressing the last two movies, and Correct. they're the coolest characters on the show. So always were, um, yeah, yeah. They, in a way, is, I don't want. They're in a good place, so I don't want to see them too disturbed. Right, but they got yeah. But you're right. I mean, they. That's one thing uh, that they're getting wrong with these films is they are assuming that everybody really just wants to know what's going on with Lady Mary. And um, you know, and Tom, and Tom Branson. Well, he's and, having know, a couple good episodes in a row, isn't he? His whole thing yeah, is he coming is. together. And lady, 
you know, and of course, Lady Edith. Everyone just wants to know what, you know, that, that the the kids in this case yeah. uh, uh, ever, you know, and, and it's like and, you know, and then in terms of the of the staff, everyone just wants to know, uh, you know, oh, everyone loves Mr. Carson. We do love Mr. Carson. We don't need a whole plot line about how Mr. About what Mr. Carson is, what, you know, what he's feeling about, you know, life moving. Oh, I don't want to, have, you know, get, I don't want us to it's have just, The problem is we've explored that and we've ended mm -hmm. in a place mm -hmm. and to, to keep, and if all you can do is go back to it. I don't know. It just, and what we're, and what people are forgetting is we, uh, we lived wholeheartedly the whole story of uh, of Anna and Mr. Beats, and that and we want uh, more of that. And anyone who says otherwise is wrong. Um, that is what we, yeah. I mean, and so yeah, if it, you know, Joel it'll be I, interesting. Joel and I are eye to eye on this one, man. I agree mm -hmm. wholeheartedly. So. Um, yeah, we need, uh, we absolutely do. And I, yeah, it, it will be, it, it will be interesting. I hope that if they don't have to like film... save the queen or anything, but I'm just saying, yeah. let's, let's get them, <laughs> let's get them, let's get them back in this thing somehow. Tom other Branson than, other is than... talking about, we find out Tom Branson no, no, no. secretly. No, no, is, don't uh, spoil any of it. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, um, and I, I hope that we, you know, maybe give us uh, instead of, you know, I, I that's always the danger is you want to like, OK, we got it. We got to cash in on this thing now. And if we wait too long. Oh, and uh, Tom's Tom's uh, future wife or did they get married at the end of the episode? They got married. But uh, yeah, no, they Tuff, got married Tuff, like Tuff at Middleton, the beginning. who spent a whole career playing um, yeah. just ice queens, basically just real bitches. And she's mm -hmm. fantastic at it. She yep. is. I'm really glad she got a chance to play this sweet and wonderful person that we all just adore because that's really what she kind of is in life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, she's like a likes to read books and hang out with her cat and like she's just a person. And I she's played so many tough characters throughout in these history, historical movies and other things that I I love that relationship. So I I do yeah, like spending it, time with those guys, but it will be interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I as I was just gonna finish though is that they needed to you know if, if I hope we're able to have just a little bit more time between these films so that uh, we can or or I I shouldn't say that maybe not not time between the films I hope they go forward in time a little bit further so maybe the kids will be older and we can see you know maybe that the the final movie is another passing of the torch where we have to you know where lady mary has to maybe you know we'll bring sibby into the uh, know, the only the thing i would say something. is the series ended and resolved itself and you never needed to go back again the reunion Correct. movie was worth the time to do that and paid off in all kinds of great ways this movie now has made this a movie series and this Correct. movie wouldn't be the greatest way to stop doing stuff. It'll work. It'll do. Mm -hmm. But it would be nice if they find a reason to do this again without repeating themselves quite so much. Right. We'll see. It's hard. Um, yeah. It's hard. It's we'll a lived-in drama-a-week story and so it's very difficult to, to, to expand that cinematically. And they, I think they've done as good a job as you can, but Anyway, enough yep. of that. We're out of time. Uh, yeah, we're out of time. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, that uh, that that's it. Uh, uh, round one. We've done round one. Come back for round two. Uh, we have many more films uh, of 2022 and some of the films of 2021. <laughs>
Um, so of course, uh, reach out to us at the movie show with Joel and Ryan page on Facebook. We have, uh, TikTok, we have Instagram, we have all of those things. Uh, you can reach out to us there. Ask Joel and Ryan at, at uh, gmail.com. That's another way you can get a hold of us. And if you're watching the video feed of this, of course, you can uh, leave a comment, subscribe to us on YouTube, leave a review. I, I hardly ever ask that of you. And we're in season that's six. A lot. I hardly that's ever a lot said, to ask. I've hardly ever said leave it or, or, you know, click on, the, give give us a couple stars on whatever your, your favorite podcasting platform is. Um, you know, we would love to. Uh, those star, those stars it. and those likes make a difference. They really I do. wish I could just explain it to y'all. We get listened by hundreds of people and we don't get a lot of likes and yet you keep coming back every week. And I know that you're probably just afraid like somebody's going to start trying to sell you stuff. And like it just, it, it, mm -hmm. we do live in an era where it is wise not to just click on things indiscriminately. I appreciate that. But sure, yeah. But please We're, like us. Um, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what else to say. Please, please, and, please. You know what? It means the and world that goes. To us. And that goes for outside the podcast, too. Please like us. Yeah, that's we all are, we really we are, want, after all. We are two sad, middle-aged men who are just looking for a reason to get up in the morning. Please like us. Um, uh, that Well, that is going to do it for this episode. Uh, all right. Until next time, everybody. Take care. Go see some films. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out. <laughs>